Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. Uh, but tonight, I am here in my capacity as the CEO of the Alberta Prosperity Project in an interim capacity. And uh, I am thrilled to host our Wednesday webinar. Uh, today it is entitled, What is Going On with the WHO and the WHA uh, with James Rogowski? Now, we've had James on before talking about some of these things, and he's got a wealth of information that is very important um, that we all know. So on that note, I would like to apologize in advance. Uh, Kerry is not available tonight because he's in Las Vegas. Actually, he's on his way back. And it's weird. He, he's, he said he's really busy in Vegas, but for some reason, he's not allowed to tell me what happened in Vegas. So I guess uh, we'll just never know. But alas, uh, that leaves you folks to suffer through a webinar with me as your host. And I will do my very best. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for Kerry to get back. So why do we do this? The Alberta Prosperity Project, of course, we believe in freedom and prosperity through independence. Um, we know and can back that up with oodles of facts that Alberta needs to have our relationship uh, within Confederation, looked at and adjusted or ended one of the one of the one of the outcomes. Um, but even more important than that, uh, we've realized that people really, for the most part, have no idea what the major problems are uh, with Alberta and Canada and Canada and the globe and that type of thing. Uh, as the CEO of this project, my main focus is the educational aspect. So the Alberta Prosperity Project is an educational society and it is supported through membership and donations from people just like you. So if you like what you see and you want to help get this message out, please become a member. You can do that on our webpage at albertaprosperity.com and please consider donating to help with uh, the costs associated with running an educational organization. Now, why is education so important? If people don't know what the problems are, they're not even going to be bothered to think about a solution. And that's really it in a nutshell. We have a lot of uh, a lot of things going on in this province and in this country that are putting your freedom and prosperity at risk. We've seen it really blatantly over the last four years, but there is so much more going on behind the scenes that you may not be aware of that you need to be aware of so that we can fix things going forward. Because personally, as a father, I do not want to leave my children with a uh, a tyrannical uh, communistic society to deal with. I want them to be able to chart their own course in life and be free and prosper as I have been in my life. So I'm going to do everything I can to accomplish that goal. If that means that I have to spend a few hours a week helping to educate Albertans as to why we need to uh, uh, pursue these solutions, that's what I'm going to do. And on that note, there's another fellow who's joining us tonight. His name is Jay Murgowski, and he also wants to educate people as to what the problems we're facing are and why we have to get involved in order to solve these problems before they become bigger problems. So welcome, James. Again, thank you for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, share some information with us. Well, Chris, thank you for having me. And, you know, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I was guided a number of years ago to understand that my job is not to try to convince anybody. Um, you know, I've done an awful lot of work over the last two years uh, so that whatever information I present makes it makes the learning curve faster and easier 
for the next person. If people don't want to learn, you can't teach them. But if they do want to learn, um, it shows that they're still able to think. You know, I always give my phone number out. I'm going to do it right out of the gate. Um, when people call me with questions on the topics that I'm, I'm dealing with, it means that they can still think. And those are the kind of people I want to talk to. My phone number, I'm in California. It's 310-619-3055. 310-619-3055. Don't call me right now because I'm doing this. But uh, the whole point of this is the uh, people involved with the World Health Organization, that's the WHO in the title, and the World Health Assembly, uh, which is the WHA, they would prefer to do what they're trying to do in secret so that they can do whatever they want to do. And all I've really been doing for the last two years is reading their boring documents and watching their boring meetings and waiting for the needle in the haystack to shine some light on it and share it with people. And it's actually gotten to be quite um, an entertaining soap opera. So hopefully I'll it's, be able to share some of that with you. I, I've said over the last few years that reality has become much more riveting and dramatic than anything we've seen on TV. As a matter of fact, some of the things we're living out right now were scripts of movies and TV shows in years gone by that even I can remember, and I'm only 44. But before we get into that, uh, like usual, I get an F on the bio intro for you. So James, can you just uh, let folks know who you are, uh, what what your capacity that you're speaking this is, and and why you're doing this kind of thing. Um, the short version of a long story is I'm 63 years old, and about two years ago, I knew nothing about what I'm going to be talking about. Um, I got awakened one morning at four in the morning, uh, went searching on the internet, came upon a blog that had, uh, in the first couple of sentences, it said that they had obtained a document. And the word document was hyperlinked. I'm a curious guy, so I clicked on the hyperlink, downloaded the document, started reading it, and I realized that I had found something that I thought was pretty important. It was a, a uh, proposed amendments to something called the International Health Regulations that the Biden administration had submitted um, a couple of months prior. And you know, interestingly enough, uh, you couldn't find it anywhere on a government website. It's not on the WHO website. This blogger had somehow obtained it. Um, and I just started um, researching and made us think about it. And um, I fell down into the WHO rabbit hole and I'm still there, you know, digging through all the turds that they keep putting out and trying to you know, share all that with the world. I have a confession to make. Back in 2007 or 2008, maybe, um, I was meandering through Facebook. And I came across some stuff that was uh, relating to the uh, United Nations Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. And I read through this stuff and I actually went to the United Nations website and I looked at it there to make sure I was looking at the proper source. And what I saw on there absolutely horrified me. The things that they were saying that they wanted to do to reshape society. Some of the things that were on the unsustainable list were personal property, privately owned businesses, the family unit, uh, personal transportation, all these things. And I'm thinking, this is friggin' ludicrous. Who is going to go for this stuff? But here we are in 2023, 2021 has come and gone. And a lot of these policies that, that, were, that I saw back then are now policies that we're under. And 2030 is fastly approaching and, and it's happening as well. But my confession that I have to make is that I read that stuff back then. 
and I didn't take action because I thought it was so loony that nobody would ever buy it. And some politician was just going to stand up and fix everything for me. So I didn't get involved. And I wish that more of us uh, hadn't taken that path and we got involved back then because maybe things would be different. But hindsight is 2020, as they say. And now here we are. So, folks, this is your warning. Do not be a Chris and 15 years down the road think, hey, you know, we heard these guys talking about this one day and we didn't do anything because we just thought it would never happen. And now we're subject to these policies and it really sucks. Uh, you know, let's let's do different than we've done before and become involved. So, James, uh, what is going on with the WHO and the WHA? Well, you know, I'll, I'll cut to the punchline um, and give people uh, the call to action right at the moment is understand that there's something important that is supposed to happen by January 27th, just a little bit more than a week away, um, Saturday the 27th of January. That week, January 22nd, Monday to January 27th, Saturday, the um, executive board of the World Health Organization will be meeting in Geneva. And what they're gonna be doing is going over the plans for their yearly meeting of all of the delegates from all of the member nations, which is the World Health Assembly. Just like you might have a provincial assembly or a state assembly, uh, it, it's a legislative body. It's supposed to be the governing body of the World Health Organization. But I think I've identified a pattern that's going on in the world, and it's probably been going on my whole life. It seems like um, legislatures, whether it's an assembly or Congress or Senate or Parliament, by whatever name, they seem to keep abdicating authority over and handing authority over to the executive branches of government. And there's a problem with that because the legislative branch is supposed to be the people's voice. Mm -hmm. But they keep growing the executive branch. And the WHO is the same. The World Health Organization. Um, the bureaucracy is commonly known as the secretariat, basically a bunch of secretaries, you know, basically pushing words out. They are the creators of the infodemic. They put out so much word salad. It's astonishing. And they're led by a director general who, you know, if we don't pay attention, will quickly become a dictator general. But they essentially operate. I've always referred to them as the world hypnosis organization because they don't really have any authority, but they carry themselves as if they're king of the world and people fall for it. And what's happening is they're trying, um, along with many different nations, to change the rules. They, they ignore the rules to begin with. They ignore their own rules. But what's going on is more than two years ago, uh, December 1st, 2021, they had a special session of the assembly. And what they came up with as a declaration was they said, well, you know, the, the poor nations were unhappy about something that's just absolutely absurd, but I'm just reporting what's really going on here. The poor nations were unhappy that the wealthier nations had signed contracts and were hogging up all of the COVID jabs. I'm pretty sure Canada announced back then that they had signed a contract for 400 million jabs. You know, got 40 million people. So it was like 10 jabs per person. 
Um, Israel had, you know, big contracts with Pfizer, the United States, European Union, UK, Australia, New Zealand. Knowing now what we know, and many of us knew then, um, but people denied, the relatively poor nations are unbelievably blessed that mm -hmm. they didn't gain access to not only the jabs, but all the drugs and the, the ventilators and the midazolam and the run death is near and all the other drugs. They felt short change. And so they said that they wanted the WHO to negotiate um, convention, agreement, or other international instrument. That's the terminology that they originally started using to ensure equitable access to pandemic-related products. Basically, they want um, intellectual property. They want manufacturing know-how. They want investment capital from developed nations of to course. fund a build-out of what I refer to as the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex. They want to build out mRNA manufacturing plants, laboratories, testing uh, facilities, and so forth. There's tens of billions of dollars that they're trying to raise to fund all of that. And, you know, reasonable, sane, well-informed people look at that and go, you people are out of your mind until you realize it's not about health. It's about a transfer of wealth and control. It would build out the system that they used to drive fear into the hearts of people. And, you know, they're very good at it. So whether it's the next bird flu that they find in your chicken coop or swine flu that they find in some farmer's pigsty or canine coronavirus, or, you know, the latest one is let's take some coronavirus from a pangolin and put it in a culture and use some um, humanized mice, you know, to cause them to all die from some brain problem. They want to go searching for pathogens around the world, create a laboratory network to do all the genomic sequencing, and they use that to fuel the manufacture of drugs and jabs while they use the discovery of the, all of that to put fear into people to convince them to take the jabs. Now, this, I don't, this is an amazing evil mastermind plan like this is this is actually a genius plan that they have so what they're doing let me let me just sum this up mm -hmm. they're using a virtue signaling narrative in that these poor countries aren't getting what they need when it comes to health they're they're aligning richer wealthier countries with their policy in order to access our tax dollars and transfer those tax dollars to other nations. It's funny that the same thing happens with carbon tax. And just as a point of interest, uh, redistribution of wealth is one of the things that's mentioned, mentioned in both Agenda 2021 and 2030 plans. Absolutely, absolutely. And so this really is a trade dispute. They were not gaining access to the products that they wanted. They didn't have the money to buy and, and get the contracts. Um, they don't have access to the intellectual property. It was made dramatically worse from their point of view when, if you remember when South Africa and Botswana um, let the world know that they believe they found a new variant, Omicron, 
they actually did what they were supposed to do under the international health regulations that are currently existing. And they shared that information freely with the world. And under the international health regulations, the other nations are not supposed to put trade or travel restrictions, but they did. And so South Africa looked at that and said, hey, wait a minute, we did what we were supposed to do. We were punished for it. And then they watched Pfizer and Moderna turn that information into the boosters and make a couple of more billion dollars. And so there's a couple of different proposals that are into these various um, negotiating documents. So let me see if I can clarify that you know, relatively quickly for people. As a solution to, if you wanna call that a problem, okay, they were lucky that they didn't get all these things, but they haven't come to their senses. The solution was proposed both by Bangladesh and 47 nations of the African region in the WHO. Very surprisingly similar proposals from two different, you know, one nation and a group of nations. And they would have a new Article 13A in the um, international health regulations. And they know that the Director General has the authority to declare what's known as a public health emergency of international concern, P-H-E-I-C, fake. The director general can declare fake pretty much anytime he wants. After doing that, these amendments, if allowed to go through, would empower him to decide what might be needed in terms of products. Then he would set up an allocation mechanism and tell nation A, could be Canada, could be the United States, could be any other developed country that had the manufacturing and you know, know-how, that they would have to make whatever he said and give it to who, whatever nation he said needed it. Now, you know, in a beautiful, perfect world, if your neighbor knocks on your door and says, hey, can I borrow something? Sure, okay? But if you had a nosy neighbor who knocked on your door and said, hey, Bob, you know, a couple of blocks over needs something and I know you have it, you've got to give it to him. Wait a minute, um, who made you king of everything? Well, if there's any type of system that is classic dictatorial, totalitarian, Marxist, communist, you know, control the means of production and distribution, that's what Bangladesh and the African nations proposed. And as far as anyone can tell, because it's all been negotiating in, in secret, that is still being considered. So in that's another, pardon right. me, that's another one of those kind of genius ideas. So if that's the case, uh, a representative from say Pfizer, who has been placed on Pfizer's board, who maybe has strong ties in one of those countries, could also go to the director and say, hey, um, can you tell the world that they need this particular vaccine that we have? Let's make everybody buy them. And maybe, you know, I'll give you a few million dollars while we make a few billion. Is that also possible? All things in life are possible. And it could also be, hey, we have a solution. Let's go create a problem. Okay. And, and so surveillance, oftentimes people think of as cameras and, you know, maybe somebody watching you on your phone or, or that sort of thing. But when they talk about surveillance in these documents, what they're talking about is searching everywhere possible, um, not just the swabs up your nose or some other orifice, or if you go to the veterinarian's office, you bring your pet and they have a stool sample or, or some such thing. Um, 
if you live on any kind of farm, if you have chickens or goats or pigs or whatever it may be, uh, your hospital has some very wonderful antibiotic resistant microbes. Um, in the United States, they probably do the same in Canada, um, probably not in the wintertime, but they, uh, they check the wastewater treatment system to see what they can find. And the idea is if they can find some new pathogen genome and mess with it and then create a drug for it, that's actually called dual-use research of concern. Fancy name for biological warfare approach because the logic behind that, which is quite frankly deranged, but their way of promoting that is, well, maybe some mysterious enemy is doing this. So we have to do it first to be prepared in case they do right. it. Mm -hmm. and it's absurd. And, you know, I, I put together um, the peoplesdeclaration.com, the peoplesdeclaration.com, because what they're really doing under the guise of health is setting up, you know, a genome um, acquisition program so that they can just get all of the genetic material from every source imaginable humans, animals, everything, plants. Um, you know, one of the things that they've been talking about are, um, you know, all of the many um, types of pathogens that are on various bugs, you know, ticks that have bacteria or, or things like that, mosquitoes and so forth. They're going everywhere to find the next pathogen. So that and if people, knew, if people knew the things that surround us in everyday life, for instance, the staff that lives in our nostrils, mm -hmm. all these things that could kill us at any time, there's thousands, tens of thousands of these things around us at any given time. If people knew that, they would probably be terrified. And being terrified means that you're easily controlled. And I just realized in Canada, uh, it's the provinces who are sovereign in the jurisdiction over health, the administration of health. Now, what the federal government has done in the name of surveillance is they have dangled a carrot in front of the premiers of all of our provinces and said, hey, we'll give you back some of your own money if you abdicate your sovereignty in your jurisdiction of administering health and you participate in this federal health ID so that we can help you. But really what's happening is they're installing a mechanism of mass surveillance in Canada so that they can use that those statistics to do exactly what you're talking about, James. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's supposed to be similar in the United States. Uh, if you were to get the US constitution you know, in digital form and do a word search for health, you won't find it because the federal government does not have authority over health and they know it. Uh, our Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra, was uh, interviewed a number of months ago last year and they asked him a very simple question and he answered it immediately, didn't skip a beat. They said, what would you like Americans to know about the Department of Health and Human Services? And he said, oh, everyone needs to know that the federal government does not have any authority over health. We have a lot of money and people fall for it. He didn't say that. He said, well, you know, we started Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, and many other programs. And in return for benefits on a certain level, people sell their soul. Yep. They agree to abide by whatever rules they need to agree to in order to get whatever benefit is being promised. 
in Canada, how- people want dental care covered, so they'll actually vote for a communist wannabe dictator, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP. That, that's how this all works. Dangle a carrot and people will absolutely abdicate their own sovereignty. It's unfortunate, but that is what we're dealing with. It's a very powerfully persuasive approach. And so um, in the United States, you know, even many of the states don't really have authority. But there's a difference between wielding, you know, financial power and having lawful authority. And, you know, people need to be educated about the difference. Uh, That's why going all the way back to the 60s, you know, people had bumper stickers, question authority. It means many things, but what it really is supposed to mean is when someone tries to tell you that you have to do something, well, where did you get that authority? Can you point in the law where your name is in the law? Do you, do you hold an office where somewhere in the law it says that whoever is in that office has the authority to do this, 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 and this? And, and so what happens is people just obey and they don't question, well, wait a minute, who the heck are you and, and how do you think you have authority over me? It's my body, you know, my choice, my life. Well, what's going on with the WHO primarily is a financial deal. And luckily, because there's so much money involved, um, it's odd, but it seems at the moment like two wrongs are kind of making things right because the Western world's pharmaceutical companies don't want to have the nations sign on to an agreement to change their laws to hand over intellectual property, patents or things like um, manufacturing know-how. The the pharmaceutical companies are pushing back pretty hard. They don't want to give that up because that's their bread and butter. Well, the smaller nations are pushing very, very hard for that. And because of greed on one side and greed on the other, back in October of 2023, the co-chair of the working group for these amendments to the international health regulations publicly stated, and this is all, I've reported it numerous times, it's all on video. He said, well, you know, we're not getting to a point where there's going to be an agreement. We're not going to meet the deadline. Now, the deadline, as I think I mentioned, is January 27th, which is four months in advance of the May assembly. It starts on May 27th. So January 27th is four months in advance of that. They're obligated under Article 55 of the IHR to submit whatever amendments they want to consider four months later. And so it remains to be seen what's going to happen. Uh, It's possible that a single nation might submit a package of amendments that they want. Um, To my knowledge, Canada did not officially submit an initial set of amendments. They've most likely secretly submitted you know, whatever text in the negotiations, but it's all been done in secret. If the working group um, does not submit a package of amendments and no other nation does so, by their rules, which they are likely to try to break, they shouldn't be allowed to make any changes. They shouldn't be allowed to even consider anything or, or you know, vote to adopt it in, in May. But what they're likely to do, because 
they said so, and you can already see they're planning, they essentially said, well, you know, forget the rules. We're just going to keep going, negotiate. Uh, they have meetings set for February and April. And they said, well, if we have to keep negotiating right up till the meeting, you know, that's what they intend to do, which is absolutely not acceptable. Now, Nancy Pelosi famously did that with, I believe, the Obamacare legislation. Thousand-page bill shows up, and she says, vote for it. You can read it later. No, we the people need to see it. We need to see it now. It's supposed to be presented before January 27th. And when I first got involved in this in 2022, the Biden administration, I'll give them credit, they did um, submit it with four months to spare. But man, did they try to keep it quiet. Did They never published it on the US government website. The WHO kept it hidden until the middle of April. But even with that, all of the nations got a chance to see it in advance. And before the meeting had ever started, it was very well known, it was clear that it was not even going to be discussed. They just kicked it to the curb. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping that you know we all get together and essentially demand an end to the secrecy. We demand transparency, maybe, they're going to magically produce a document that we all think is fantastic, but I really doubt it. They're, they're just trying to put a business deal together and it's not acceptable to do that, you know, in, in secrecy. Well, you know, some would argue we elect our governments and politicians and, and leaders in order to do these kinds of things. And we can't be bothered with every little thing. So why should people be concerned about this? Like, why why would people need to interfere in what the government is doing for our best interest? That was I couldn't help the sarcasm. Sorry. No, I love it. Um, well, I'm holding in my hand an old school vaccine passport. Now, the rules for this are in Annex Six of the International Health Regulations, and. What they want to do is dramatically increase that, make it digital, um, tie it to a QR code. Everybody would get their own QR code. They don't want to have just a vaccine certificate. They want a testing certificate, a prophylaxis certificate, a recovery certificate, a traveler locator forms. They want passenger health um, declaration forms. They want it all tied together around the world so that if you wanted to travel outside of Canada, um, whatever nation wanted to tie into that and restrict your movement, um, you would have to be compliant. And in reality, the things that they call vaccines don't stop infection and they don't stop transmission. So what is a vaccine certificate? The, the testing is quite often gives false positives because it's not really any kind of a true test. No idea, they haven't even begun to define what a prophylaxis um, certificate would be. You know, would that be they tell you that you have to take some kind of a drug on a regular basis? And a recovery certificate? Well, you know, people recover, but they get sick again. And so what does that even mean? Well, it means that you're compliant. And even if they have trouble passing this set of amendments, 
I suspect that they would then just roll it out on a voluntary basis. And a lot of our fellow, you know, Americans or Canadians would likely volunteer to sign up and be compliant. Because, and, and it would be so convenient for them, right? I mean, they could exactly. just have an RFID implant on their hand and they could just scan that and they could be traveling wherever. And actually, for that matter, they could even tie their uh, digital currency and their digital ID into the same thing. That'd be life would be so convenient. And on and, the other hand, if a citizen stepped out of line, well, I mean, then the government could just... Well, you know, you wouldn't need to you wouldn't need to trouble yourself with courts and the rule of law and due process. Um, you could just be convicted by taking away all your money and freedoms. I read and, this and in a book once and, and it ended well. <laughs> um, the problem sometimes I, I I'm going to digress a little bit. Um, short, short version of long story. I put out a sarcastic, super sarcastic video a couple of decades ago and everybody believed it was true. I've just did that recently and I got death threats. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to you have to be careful with sarcasm because sarcasm really only works with people who are smart enough to understand that you're being sarcastic. If you're really good at it, people believe the falsehood that you're making fun of and they they never really seem to get the joke. But the um, the implementation of this vaccine and other certificate system they refer to as the Global Digital Health Certification Network. And you would think that normally, you know, if you're negotiating something, you negotiate it, you reach an agreement, you sign off on something, and then you go and build it. Well, I've got news for you. If you do a search for WHO and Global Digital Health Certification Network, they're already building it. And it may very well be pretty close to being done. Um, it's just software, you know, it, it, it's just, databases, you know, whatever your health records are and anybody else's, just accessing through some kind of interoperable database, you know, protocols, um, they're going to do it. And we, the people, need to understand what it is they're really trying to do. Having one of these doesn't make anybody healthier if the injections make you sicker and the tests also make you sicker and don't really test anything. Um, what is it that they're really doing? Is they're trying to increase the authority and redistribute wealth into the industries that profit from pandemics. And I really, I mean, I, I suspected all of this, but it was just nailed back in November of 2022 at the um, Bali, the, B, the B20, they have the G20 where all the government leaders meet, but then they have a business meeting, the B20. And the Indonesian health minister was talking about a new pandemic fund that was primarily coming from the United States, uh, but it was also many, many other nations through the World Bank. The US in their National Defense Authorization Act in 2022, <coughs> pledged a billion dollars a year to start building out all these laboratory networks and testing facilities and all that sort of thing. And the Indonesian health minister told all the business leaders in advance of that bill being passed, they've got this multi-billion dollar fund, go invest. It's a great business opportunity. And so they see this as a growth industry. If they can take billions of dollars from nations and other donors, 
invest in nations around the world to go looking for the next scary pathogen, whether they call it disease X, Y, or Z. Um, take that into the lab, get the genetic sequence from it, start making products and jabs from it. Anybody that they can put fear into is likely to accept their product. And if they get government to buy it at top dollar and then give it away to people for free, like they have been doing, that's an interesting business model. And so they said, go invest. This is a moneymaker. And you know, that's what we're pushing back against. Now, I don't know if you recall, if you were involved, and I was only somewhat involved, not like I am now, but uh, you know, more than a decade ago, they tried to push through a very, very secret trade agreement, the um, Trans-Pacific Partnership, TPP. I remember. And to this day, I've never read it. I don't even know if it is available. But in the middle of you know the hullabaloo that everybody made about it, you couldn't see it. Congress people weren't allowed to see it. They had to go into a special room, you know, secret room. They couldn't bring their phone. They couldn't take any pictures. They couldn't even take any notes. They were allowed to read it and trust their memory as to what you know it may have said. And even without ever actually seeing it, millions of people said no. We don't, you know, if, if any politician agrees to that, you know, there were gonna there was gonna be hell to pay because the fear from what the rumors were about what was going on is that it would have just transferred a lot of authority, a lot of judicial authority to corporations. And you know the people just essentially got together and said no, even though we never got to see it. Well, that and would be so, the that would be the the gate the uh, the the point for me is if we can't see it, I'm not agreeing to it. Right. And so, um, for quite some time, you know, I've been pointing to this deadline that the WHO has. They have every intention of violating it. I have a video that I published on my site. Um, it's an hour long series of excerpts from them in their official public meeting talking about how they're gonna just ignore the rules. They've set up negotiations to keep going. And so a couple of things can happen, but if we do get a chance to see whatever it is they're supposed to present by January 27th, um, I'm sure that we are going to shred it because there's no indication whatsoever that they have our best interest in heart at heart anywhere in there. It's it's purely a settling of a trade dispute because the poorer nations want access to things that have been shown to be harmful and deadly. And, and so while there may still be a lot of people in the world who have not awakened to the harms that those products have caused, many, many people have. And it's astonishing, but what is going on is they're negotiating for more of what was done to us for the past four years. And you know the answer is just very simply no. But what do well, they th what do they think they're doing? You know they're not going to they're not going to slip this one past us. You know we can see what they're doing. We have to speak up, and that's what I encourage everyone to do. I agree. In the 
in the midst of all the hullabaloo when the vaccines were, oh, am I allowed to say that? When the jabs were rolled out, uh, I remember kind of watching what's going on around the world. Canada was buying 10 jabs for every person. African countries couldn't get any. And I thought, if this is really a global pandemic and it's important that everybody across the globe takes these jabs to end this and flatten the curve and we get back to normal, why do we have them all and other countries have none? There's this inequity there that doesn't make sense from a global pandemic and health perspective. It does, however, make 100% complete success. And it's clear as day when you consider the amount of money that moves and the access to tax dollars that politicians get when these things happen, right? So Canada, um, they accessed billions and billions of tax dollars to move that money into companies that were doing this work, some of them which our very own Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, actually has investments in, so he makes money off some of this stuff. Uh, the, the poorer countries that don't have access to that kind of tax dollars, they didn't get it. And when you, when you look at this through a lens of economics, it all makes perfect sense. When you look at it from a, with a lens of health, it's a jumbled mess, but from an economical point of view, it's clear as day. From an evil, economic point of view i totally yes. agree yeah absolutely um, but i mean there's the, these people are they're, they're psychopaths they don't they don't have the, the feeling for humanity that we do and and to be quite frank um if you ask yourself how far would uh, a person or persons be willing to go for hundreds of billions of dollars well how many useless eaters could be sacrificed for hundreds of billions of dollars mm -hmm. it starts and to so, make sense um, there has been a lot of confusion, so let me take just a step back and clarify a handful of things. Um, there is a series of negotiations to amend what's known as the International Health Regulations, which are an existing agreement from all the way back in 1969. So that's one track, and the deadline for them to reveal that and have all of the nations know what's going to be considered in May is January 27th. Now, the other track, which most people call the pandemic treaty, does not have that same requirement because that requirement is built into the existing agreement. And this new agreement, it's brand new, so they're just gonna keep on negotiating. And that document has had many, many names, many, many versions. And a lot of times people in the news talk about the details from any one of five or six or seven different versions. So there's a lot of confusion. And it's even worse because as we speak right now, the latest version from the end of October is pretty much out of date. And the negotiating body that is organizing the negotiations has been told to do a rewrite. And the next meeting for those negotiations is at the end of February. And so while there's a lot of details in the old versions about what it is they want to do, it's in a state of flux. And, and so, you know, come back and stay tuned end of February for that. I'm a little concerned that people are going to mix the two up again. And if they present the new version of the agreement, the new document, um, people may misunderstand that, you know, what we're looking for really right now are the amendments to the existing document. And so the problem with the new 
agreement that they're trying to negotiate is the type of agreement. The details matter for sure. There's a lot of things in there that are probably not going to be to anybody's liking, but the format is known as a framework convention. And what that means is they only need to agree to a framework. It could be an empty document. It could have a bunch of nice words. As long as they can get an agreement, in the last version, chapter three was the one to pay attention to because it would set up a whole new bureaucracy called the Conference of the Parties. Whichever nations decided to become party to the agreement, they would have a yearly conference, COP, Conference of the Parties, and they would determine to infinity, right, forever, what different detailed protocols would fit into the framework. Well, if your nation or you know the heads of state and, and executive branch of your government is dumb enough to sign an empty blank agreement and allow who knows who in the future to add in the detailed protocols and you've agreed to them without knowing what may be coming. Oh, wait a minute. Um, did they do something in 1992 called the Framework Convention for Climate Change? Did they just mm -hmm. have the 28th Conference of the Parties in December? Mm -hmm. yep. How's that all working out when you sign an open-ended contract and you have a bunch of people that you don't have any control over make decisions on a yearly basis and that somehow sneaks in to your obligations under the agreement that you signed or your nation signed back in 1992? In my view, any kind of framework convention agreement is insane. Why would you agree to let somebody else work out the details? Would you sign a contract and have somebody put a whole bunch of blank pieces of paper in the contract and just say, ah, don't worry, sign it. You know, we'll work it out later. The, the answer is just no. It's just flat out no. Jeez. So let's uh, say, for instance, nobody does anything. Mm -hmm. And this all just pushes forward and goes through. Mm -hmm. What are the consequences for us? Um, primarily, what they're trying to do is build out the infrastructure to scare the daylights out of people in the nations that they failed to do so in the last four years. Most of what's going on, with the exception of you know the vaccine passport and, and so forth, um, it's just a transfer of, of wealth. It literally says in some of the documents that developed nations shall build state-of-the-art infrastructure in developing nations. Now, the United, the United States um, donated in excess. Uh-oh. Yep. Well, um, I think StreamYard has a way of just going blank and resetting. I hope I'm back and you can see me. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All good. Screen screen went white for a moment. I thought I was in Canada. Um, <laughs> um, the United States gave an extra three quarters of a billion dollars as a donation to the WHO in 2022. Off the top of my head, I think Canada donated maybe an extra $80 million. Um, all of that money is not making Canadians any healthier. Um, if you try to track where it goes, it's nearly impossible. 
but they did let out some financial information. And in 2022, the WHO spent $3.8 billion, but 1.1 or 30% of that went to salaries. So they had 8,851 employees who earned an average of 100, they, they earned an average of $120,000 a year. That's where a good chunk of the money goes. They only spent half that amount on actual health products. And I think it was 37% of their budget was contracted out. And, and so it's, it's a money laundering, you know, corruption, crony capitalism, you know, pandemic um, profiteering scheme. It's just organized crime under the guise of health but then you look at all of the statistics, are, are people actually getting healthier or are disease rates and death rates climbing? They're doing a pretty lousy job, but they're getting paid awfully well to do it. So they can legislate forcibly taking our income and property, and they can take that money and they can invest in initiatives like this that make other countries and other people rich and line the pockets of their friends. I think you got it. Using our existing laws. Okay. Let's talk about some solutions. So um, in Canada, we have this beautiful thing called democracy. And thank goodness, we can all just vote for federal politicians, for members of parliament that will speak out against these things and stop them. Right, folks? Um, is this the fantasy version of your show? What, what's it kind of is. So we have this problem in Canada. Uh, our election basically ends at the Manitoba border. And those of us in the West, uh, it's very, very rare for us to be able to change the course mm -hmm. uh, uh, of our nation mm -hmm. through the democratic process. Because um, during our confederation, and this was done intentionally, uh, the 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 power in this country exists in Ontario and Quebec. Mm -hmm. So us here in the West, we could stomp our feet and yell and wave our hands in the air as much as we want. And the East would just vote for certain things and we're going with them. Now, the problem we have, it's not that the people in the East are bad people or they want different things, but our bureaucracy resides in Central and Eastern Canada. So the bureaucrats, the politicians and the politicians, who are benefiting from these things, who are the ones whose pockets are being lined, are also the ones that have the balance of power to chart our course forward in our democracy. Yeah. It's a big problem. And that's exactly why the Alberta Prosperity Project exists. Because even though we have that problem, we have a solution in that um, Confederation is a, it was a voluntary thing. Mm -hmm. And we could also voluntarily withdraw and not participate in any of these things. So. You know, of course, that's that's what the Alberta Prosperity Project advocates as a solution for most of these things. But what else can we do as ordinary citizens to stop these things from occurring? Well, you know, step number one, until February 27th, um, if everyone goes to CanadianPetition.com, it's an official um, parliamentary petition. Uh, it was started by a friend of mine, Doug Porter from British Columbia. Um, it was sponsored by Leslie Lewis, 
and it essentially um, says that anyone who signed it wants out of the WHO and the United Nations. Now, I hear people's heads already, you know, I can hear the gears churning. Oh, that's not going to happen. I get it. I understand that. I understand how petitions and government, you know, they don't listen until you're screaming and yelling and ranting and raving with millions of people. And even then, you know, they'll bring in the goons and shut you down. Yeah, they, they don't even listen when you're honking and there's millions of people, as we saw. Use the petition as a means of building relationships with people <clears throat> that you should know better. If you, if you take any idea, and CanadianPetition.com is just one of them, take any idea under the sun, take this video, right? Share this video with anybody, and don't try to shove it down their throat. Just say, hey, look at this information and tell me what you think. The odds are really good that 199 out of 200 people are going to be like, whatever. But there will be one or two or however many the number may be who see it the same way that you do. That's how you identify. It's kind of like Santa Claus around Christmas time. You know, do you go on the naughty list or the nice list? If you use any information, whether it's this video or a petition or an article or any other something, if you take the time to start at the top of your contact list, you've got phone numbers in your phone, people that you text message, emails, social media contacts, you know, people you follow or direct message or whatever. Ask yourself, who do you not want to share the information in this video with so that they remain completely unaware? It's our responsibility to give the opportunity to our family, friends, loved ones, the opportunity to raise their awareness. It's not your right to try to coerce them and convince them into believing what you believe. But if you don't make it available to them to allow them to make their own choice, then you're actually acting as a censor. Now, they can choose to be ignorant. I pronounce that word a little differently. Ignorant doesn't mean you're stupid. It might be connected. But what it means is you've seen some information and you choose to ignore it. And we all do that for certain things. The job of any person is to share information that they think is important, not censor this video by doing nothing. Because the algorithm isn't going to push it out. You know, whatever platform this might be on, you know, if it's shadow banned or if the algorithm just doesn't reach the people you know because they're not subscribed, it's our duty to share important information because the media's job is to hide this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's so a problem. Spread, spread the word. Let people make their own decision. Work with the, you know, identify your allies. Work with the willing. And, you know, in Canada, it's, quite frankly, I'm impressed. You know, everybody likes to complain that things aren't as good as they want them to be. But in terms of organized behavior and, you know, active um, fighting for freedom, um, Canada has got it going on as good as anybody in the, in the world, as far as I can tell. So be proud of you know, what you have done so far. But on a personal level, identify your allies. That's where your strength and your power really reside. Um, you, know, you rely on yourself as much as you can. 
But the more friends you have that are on your side, the better life is going to be. So step one, education. Know yes. what the problems are and share this, this information with people. Now, uh, in the comments, there's a lot of pushback about the idea of democracy. People have lost faith in democracy. And going back a couple more comments, I can see why. Uh, people have, for the most part, have this idea that democracy is a every four-year thing. Um, in, in this country, how many times, and in, in the United States as well, how many times have we said, oh, we elect a politician, they say they're going to do things, and then they just ignore us? Well, that's because we have been fooled into thinking that democracy is checking a box once every four years. That is not the case. In a democracy, the only thing that you have to do to win is bring more people than who you're, you're voting against. That's it. It's a math problem. So, for instance, uh, in this country, how many people have got a membership in a political party and attended AGMs, attending constituency association meetings as they watch their politicians not do what they, they promised they're going to do? That's not what we do. We get pissed off and we, we leave. The United Conservative Party through uh, the COVID era, they went from 132,000 members to 8,000. Because those wow. members didn't like the direction the party was going. So all of those people left and let the lunatics run the asylum. We did the exact opposite of what we should have been doing. This is a democracy. And the only reason it doesn't work is because people fail to show up. If we started showing up and we started taking back control of these institutions that we allowed to be created in the first place we would be far, far better off than we are right now. One of the ways we can do that in a very loud way is by uh, uh, registering your intent to vote yes on a referendum for Alberta renegotiating their relationship with Canada. That is a huge thing we can do. And in that case, if we bring enough people and we show up, it will happen but we have to show up. So, uh, you know, in the United States, it's, I think it's better than it is here when it comes to civic engagement. Uh, elections are very, it's flamboyant, it's exciting, there's a lot of energy. I mean, your presidential debates, uh, they fill stadiums and people are, like, it's amazing. 60% of Americans hold a, a, a membership in a political party. In Canada, less than 2% do. That's our problem. So, you know, there's a and whether it's on a whether it's on a local level, uh, provincial, exactly. um, federal yeah. level, or or internationally, um, their way of operating is that they tell you what they're going to do, and then they view your silence as consent. Yes, so exactly. Speak up. We have up. to. We got to stop getting pissed off and leaving. When we get pissed off, we have to start showing up and making a difference. And mm -hmm. stop allowing the lunatics to run the asylum. There's way more of us. There's so many more of us than there are of them. You think there's 40 million people in this country. Do you think the majority, folks, do you think the majority of Canadians want to abdicate their sovereignty over their own health decisions to an international organization? No, they don't. If they know this is happening, they will get involved because they don't want to do this. Um, but we, we just have to get that information out there. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Um, 
All of the information that I have is on jamesroguski.substack.com. And if anybody has any questions, I'll give you my number again, 310-619-3055. If you're in Canada, go to canadianpetition.com and share that with other people and find out who is still able to think for themselves. Yes. A lot of people don't want to. That's okay. Leave them alone. You can't necessarily help them identify the ones who still are you know, patriotic and, and striving for a better future. Um, and I think you'll find that there are more of us than you might ever possibly imagine. I, I know there is. So, folks, uh, if you want to get a hold of James, his contact information is in the comments. I posted it earlier. So if you watch a rerun of this uh, this webinar, you'll be able to find his contact info. Uh, please visit albertaprosperityproject.com. Check out the website. Check out our events. We have an event coming up in Peace River where there's some live music involved. I'm going to be going up there and... Uh, probably longly talking like I usually do. It's going to be a blast. We're really looking forward to seeing you there. So uh, go to the website, get your tickets, please. If we don't get tickets sold before a certain date for events, we have to consider dropping them. So don't wait and think you're going to do it at the door. Please get your tickets so we know what kind of uh, uh, numbers we're going to expect and we can continue to plan. Also, if you haven't got a membership, get your membership. It's not about the $20, although the $20 is important because it costs money to run this organization. The big part is knowing how many people are with us. We need to grow our numbers so that people are encouraged and they see, hey, you know what? This is a big group and they want to do something different. We want to do something too. Very, very important. And finally, um, I, I still see some comments about, oh, Canada doesn't exist. Oh, this isn't a democracy. All these things. If you really believe that and you have a very well thought out uh, and evidence-backed um, uh, a dialogue or narrative for that, drop us a line at the Alberta Prosperity Project. Maybe we'll have you on a webinar and you can explain what you're talking about and maybe you can propose your solutions. Uh, I may not agree with you, but I'm certainly happy to talk to you about those things. Uh, but please make sure you're prepared and you have the information because if you don't, uh, I'll likely longly talk over you and eat you alive. Anyway, thank you again, James. I really appreciate you. Thank you very much. On. You have a wealth of information. We probably could have gone another hour, but unfortunately, I'm four minutes late for another appointment, and I got to go. And thank you, folks, for, folks, for watching. Please remember to share, get a membership, donate, come to the events. Let's have some fun while we're changing the world, because if we're not having fun, what's the point? <laughs> Take Fail. care.